Is there a bigger pain in the ass than Jared Meese? Well, actually, I mean, let's face it, guys. He's actually a very small pain in the ass. <laughs> Episode 10, Tank Slapping Podcast. Corey Texter here. Got my man, JJ5, back as my co-host. We fired Briar already. He did a decent job, but, I mean, we got to have the the squad father back in, and Jake is back. Jacob, what is up? I don't even know. <laughs> I, <laughs> I feel like the last uh, two months of my life was a waste, but other than that, I'm doing all right. Yeah, I mean, imagine having a four-month off-season. You get within a day of the season opener, and they say, eh, just kidding, 10 more weeks. It's like, it, it's it's crazy. I mean, what the world we're living in right now, it, it's like I can't even get on the news right now. It's it's awful. It's, uh, it's depressing. It sucks. So no racing right now, but we have podcasts. So try and give you guys the racing fix you need. Try and stay positive and... Yeah, talk about some racing, bullshit a little bit, drink some drink some beer and and get the show going. Yeah, Jake, for you, I, I felt awful. I mean, you worked your ass off to get to get that bike ready and and uh shit, now you got more time to prepare, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, uh how much time I don't know. I guess probably probably too much time now, but I mean, obviously would have wanted to race, needed to race, but uh I don't know. I was ready. Yeah, but it does give me a little more time. There's some things that I, I didn't get a chance to do, but uh, whenever whenever the next one is, if it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, we're looking at, uh, what, Kentucky at this point, uh, it kind of seems like. But, That's uh, what I heard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we don't know. Yeah, so I guess I'll have some time to do some dyno and maybe a little bit of tuning. But, uh, but yeah, I, like, like I said, Daytona, I was ready. Um, but, yeah, uh, it is what it is. Um, it, it's hard to say. I mean, you've we can go on it for for days or weeks or whatever it is about this whole thing, but I'm confused about it all. I, I don't know. You read some things and it's like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's just, you know, the, the flu last year killed more people than this did and blah, 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 blah. And then you read some things. It's like, oh, my God, it's the end of the world. So I'm kind of caught in between. I don't really know what to think of it, but uh, yeah, it's all uh it's all I about mean, us right now. You know, regardless, it's, it's taken away motorcycle racing, yeah. it's taken away. The NBA, I mean, I don't get, I mean, like you said, we could get into it, but I don't get how some people don't have any symptoms, but the world's shutting down. Like there's guys that are healthy that have it and, um, and they give it to somebody that's older and, you know, it's bad for, I don't know. It it is very weird. It's confusing for us normal motorcycle racing people, but we were told no racing and yeah, I guess it's just a matter of how riders prepare now for, you know, with their downtime. I mean, this previous offseason, we'll call it offseason volume one, we knew what to prepare for and when the date actually was for the first race. We don't even, we have no idea. So it's all about what you do to kind of maximize your time. And yeah, like you said, like you can dyno your bike, maybe get a chance to ride it, prepare a little bit, a little bit more. I guess it's um, all about how you manage your time here. I mean, for me, it's been doing a little bit of road biking, a little bit of motocross, just um, hanging out with my family, reading, just trying to find stuff to keep me busy that's proactive and not wasting my time. But that's hard for me. I'm, I'm just, yeah, it's hard. But what are, what are your plans? I mean, what do you, what's on the Jake Johnson schedule here? I don't know. I mean, I probably get a job. You know, I don't. <laughs> I was banking on doing some racing, but uh, that's obviously not happening. But 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I got a little more time to prepare. I guess equipment-wise, I was prepared. Me, uh, I, I guess I was, but you know, I haven't really You're ridden a motorcycle. I haven't ridden a motorcycle in a while, so I hadn't had a chance to moto or do anything like that. I was so busy, and you know, weather obviously isn't the greatest, uh, you know, in February in Pennsylvania. So it'll give myself a little more time to prepare and things like that. But um, I don't know. It's kind of like going back. I don't know what five, six years. We used to race Daytona, and then have off until Springfield. So yeah, it's, it's nothing new, you know, I mean, I guess, I guess we look at it as okay. Daytona rained out and we're, you know, next race is, uh, you know, essentially yeah, Memorial day or whatever, yeah. you know? Um, so it's, we always used to say that it always used to kind of be a second off season after Daytona. So we're just, uh, yeah, just going to play yeah. it like that, I guess. Well, before we get too farther in, I want to thank Mike Hacker for sponsoring the show, Presidential Mortgage. If you need a home loan, refinance, or home equity line of credit, contact Mike Hacker at mike.hacker at presidential.com. Rates are low. <laughs> rates are yeah. low right now. Yep. So yeah, rates, rates if, are low. If you're, if you're looking to buy, now's the time. <laughs> yeah, so we, we got that going. Our guest for tonight is uh, is a good one. We, uh, we got Michael Locke coming on the show. That's... Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty good. I mean, Michael's a busy guy, and with everything going on right now, it's uh, it's cool that he's taking time to come on the show. So, got some questions. We're gonna ask him. We're gonna fire him up a little bit. See what uh, see what we can get out of him. But yeah, got Michael Locke coming on the show. There were some races in Daytona, Jake. Me and Briar. Well, Briar took over your job for a week. You were busy working on your bikes, getting them ready. Did you listen to the show? And you think Briar did a decent job? Yeah, I think he did okay. I think he did all right. I got to say that the highlight of the show was Noah calling Jared Mees a Ninja Turtle <laughs> on a motorbike. That was, yeah. that was pretty good. I, I like that one. <laughs> it's pretty accurate. I mean, the guy goes fast, but he is stiff as a board. Like, I don't know how he does it. Like, you watch him. If you look at a picture of him, you're like, dude, Mees is a squid. But then he gets out there and... He's pretty damn fast. Like I mentioned on the podcast, like people talk about Mikey Rush or Jesse Janish, and they don't give guys like you, me, or Briar enough credit for how they moto. And I'd put them up against any of those guys. I mean, you guys up against any of those guys, really. So, um, but yeah, the off season, like everybody that trained, and we had guys going the Bushnell, which is an asphalt track, getting ready, and just all the months of training and hard work. It's kind of like I don't know if it's wasted because like riding time is crucial, but if you take all that time back off then from riding and riding some of those asphalt tracks, it gives guys like you or other people that live in shitty weather or work real jobs and gives you guys kind of a, a chance to catch back up with the program. Like now you'll be able to ride more hopefully with the warm weather and, and things like that. So yeah, this, this is a crazy deal. It's um, it'll be interesting to get Michael's take on it all. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what, what you guys were down there for months for. I did everything all you guys did in basically a day. I went to Bushnell, did some laps on the asphalt track. I went to Ocala, did some laps. I guess I didn't moto that day, but I did a lot in one day. It took you guys months to do that. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what the big deal was. Yeah, I mean, right now you're looking like a genius, honestly. I mean, you just yeah. keep up all your money. You have to buy a, a rental house. You're just uh, you're an innovator, man. It's uh, <laughs> it's good because like my team, we were gonna do Daytona, like. For them to drive to Daytona that, you know, early, we were so close to doing it. And, and at the last minute, we decided it wasn't 
something that we were we were going to do. And for them, it saved them so much money because yeah. Savannah rained out. Daytona canceled. We essentially they, they would have drove drove to Florida from California for what a Volusia, maybe a test day. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I feel bad for a lot of the teams that spend so much money to try and make this happen. And Daytona is such a one-off race, you know. And people prep bikes and test just for that event. And I don't know if we're racing there later this year or what, man. I mean, what's going on with what do you think is going on with these races that kind of have been postponed? Are we gonna run them you think later in the year new tracks i mean what's the plan i don't know i don't know i mean <clears throat> daytona well you know we've talked and you know chris just mentioned maybe season finale at uh biketoberfest um that would make sense for the tt but then again there's a lot that goes into that, um, you know, having to rebuild the track, uh, all that stuff again. I mean, it makes it a little bit easier, I guess, with the Supercross. Everything's torn up. and Well, uh, it, would, it would be a month later from the second. The, it, we'd have all the seat. We'd have the whole season. We'd have the second to last race. And then we'd have to wait a month till the finale. Um, go back to Daytona. It'd be good for banquet reasons because, you know, they have a lot of a lot of um, contacts down in that area, obviously, with NASCAR and things like that. But, hell, I wouldn't even race because production twins don't run TT, so I guess yeah. I would just go and party. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I guess having yeah. – yeah, that makes sense. I mean, a season finale, you want – I mean, in, in the perfect picture, you want three championships coming down to the final round. So that's, that's not good. Just, uh, you know, the amount of money alone that it goes into building that track uh, again. And like you said – you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe they'll make production right at TT. Just, uh, you know, throw a curveball for the season finale. That would be kind of cool, right? Let's do no. it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, my bike is good for TTs. I mean, JD got second on it at Daytona. Whether or not uh, old C-Tex is ready, I guess I got to ride some more TTs to uh, to get ready for that. But no, yeah, it's it's a lot to think about, man. I mean, it's... Uh, Fuck. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. The, about one, now. the one thing we have on our side, I guess, is we have most of July open. And uh, June, right? Right. Laconia, Lima. Yeah. yeah. So there's probably open weekend or two in June, a uh, bunch in July. August. So, yeah. So there's some open dates. Um, it, yeah. It might... We were thinking the other day, like, what races could they possibly do? Like, we'd support they have a doubleheader already, one for the singles and one for the twins. We could race two twins races there, even though that track, eh. It's, it's whatever. It's, it's not yeah. that cool, but we could race at Weedsport. Um, I'd like to see another Lima, honestly. I mean, let's get it on at Lima twice. I mean, I know you're not a big Lima guy, but man, the racing, the racing's awesome. And yeah. uh, well, that's going to be up to Mies, whether he wants to yeah. put up dough for two purses, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, if his, if his profit's good enough, that guy likes to make money. So yeah, I honestly though, before we call Michael Locke, I think once we get back to racing, I think the fans are going to be so like, like a drug relapse. Like they just want to get back and see yeah. the races. So hopefully they pack the stands and, and yeah. And, and during this time, like do all you can, if you're able to kind of support some of the companies that help us out, you know, they're, a lot of the companies are shutting down. KTM's not making bikes. A lot of my personal sponsors, Kicker and things like that, they're um, they're all closing down. So if, if if you have the resources to buy and support these companies now, you know, please consider doing so. It'll help us when we get back to racing and 
and uh, yeah, and help those that help support the sport. But it's uh, it's time, Chris Carter. Let's call Michael Locke and let's get some insight from uh, the guy that pretty much runs the show. You got it, man. Hello. Michael Locke, Corey Texter, Jake Johnson, Tank Slapping Podcast. Hey, guys. What are you up to? Been busy these last few days, I guess, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm grounded now. I'm at home. I've been at home all day. We uh, we were asked to close the offices last night for um, the foreseeable future and uh, and work remotely. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a weird time. Never thought that... Uh, I would see anything like this in my lifetime, I guess, or haven't ever seen anything like this in my lifetime. But yeah, I mean, I guess uh, let's just get it going. We'll we'll just see where this is headed. Um, you know, leading up to Daytona was, I mean, obviously it was an issue, a concern. But I mean, obviously that Friday load in, I mean, I guess is when when the shit hit the fan and and we knew things were were going going sideways. But uh, was that even something that was was even in your head or thought was even a possibility like the week leading up to it? Or we were watching the news like everybody else. And yeah. um, as a as a professional sports league, we have access to expert opinions on, on what's going on. And one by one, we saw all the all the national pro league sports start to. Um, start to recede and run to the hills. So, of course, it was in our mind that we, we might not get as far as running the races on Saturday. But initially, we worked on the basis that you were all there, we were all there, um, the, the spectators were largely people who were going to be in town for bike week and had been there for a few days. So we, um, uh, so we, we took the view that unless we were told otherwise, we were going to go ahead and run. And, and that evolved into um, a situation where we had no choice but to run without spectators, which was, a, you know, a, a real blow. But again, everybody was there. We wanted to get the first race going. We wanted to get the season started. We didn't know what was going to happen afterwards, but we wanted to get some points on the board. Um, and we wanted to launch track pass and all the other things we've been working on in the winter. But in the end, on Friday, as you say, um, after loading and the presidential address early afternoon, where, where the president made it clear that the country was going to hunker down on this, and he started using quite precise language about dates and uh, and uh, activities that shouldn't go ahead. So it was really out of our hands at that point. We were bitterly disappointed because we'd put a lot of work in over five, six months of the off season to start this season with a bang. So, but you know, it's bigger than us, so we got to go with it. Yeah, yeah. So me and Jake just said some things are just out of all of our control. Really, I mean. It's uh, it's one of those deals that you just kind of gotta, yeah. It's, there's more to life than racing, and I think it's, you know, it's it's admirable that you guys were going to actually run the race without spectators. I mean, as a promoter, you know, I know having spectators there is crucial to the success of the of your event, and to still want to promote that race and do all you can to to keep it rolling without spectators is just kind of shows that you guys were committed to kind of making it happen. But yeah, I wanted to get that up and out of the way. Obviously, everybody is going to tune in and listen to your thoughts on Daytona and, and, and things like that. And I mean, obviously you probably know as much as we do, but I'm going to ask for the fans and things like that, but what's the outlook for the rest of the summer? I mean, obviously Atlanta and Charlotte, it's, you know, postponed and it's, it's just a bum deal. We just don't know kind of what to prepare for things like that. And the fans are just kind of probably going to be curious on what, you know, as far as when we can get back to racing. 
Well, I think you um, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, I, I don't have access to a lot better information than, than anybody else. And the situation seems to be changing daily. I mean, I'll give you an example. My kids live in um, Santa Cruz, California, and Santa Cruz County is now on lockdown. They've got some strange phrase for it, but it basically means don't leave the house. Ooh. I mean, this is like a war. And that's the whole of the San Francisco Bay Area, which yeah, is you know, I did 4 see million that. people. So we don't know, any of us, I guess, um, whether that kind of uh, protocol is going to spread. If it spreads across the whole country and comes to heavily populated areas like, um, like Central Florida, we can't even go in the office. Um, we can't speak um, intelligently to any of the venues about uh, postponed dates. I mean, when do I postpone April to? June? August? Right. October? So the view we're taking is that we're determined to run this season if it's at all humanly possible. So what does that mean? Well, it means that Atlanta and Charlotte are definitely postponed. We know that they're in the range where things are not going to get better. So we turn our attention to Texas Motor Speedway, uh, Paris uh, in, uh, in early May. Sacramento have already postponed their date, uh, which was mid-May, um, because they're out there in California, and I think the, um, uh, the anxiety is very high there. So we're looking realistically at the first possible date is the Red Mile, right at the end of May. And as much as I would like to start the season there, because it's a cool venue, um, that would give us a, a prospect of playing some pretty quick catch-up for the rest of the season if we're going to run 18 rounds. We're already brainstorming about running double headers at uh, any of the uh, venues that are suitable for that and can carry the fan base. Uh, and maybe we catch it up that way. We're also in discussions with our broadcast partner, NBC, who are living a nightmare at the moment because they've got almost no content um, about our contractual obligations to them to deliver 18 shows and all of our sponsors and indeed even the paddock. You know, you guys have all calculated out your um, your budgets for this year on the basis of, uh, of going to 18 races and there being 18 purses and, and, and so on and so forth. So. We're going to do it by hook or by crook. We're going to do it somehow, some way. I just can't tell you exactly how we're going to do it yet because I would be a liar tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Just following other, other sports and things like that. I'm a big Supercross fan, and, you know, it seems like they're kind of in the same boat. You know, they're talking about possibly running, you know, double headers or midweek races, you know, in Vegas uh, towards the end of the year mm -hmm. just to try, to try to make something up just so they don't have – you know, just so the season didn't end at Daytona without anybody knowing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, sure. it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a tough, tough thing. And like I said, it's just, uh, just kind of a waiting game, you know, to see what, yeah. what, you know, like I said, it's, it's bigger than us right now. And just, uh, yeah, it's all you can do is, um, just come up with every, every scenario you can to, to if okay if it goes this way we're going to do this if it goes this way it's going to do that and and just kind of wait to see what happens but yeah um, that, that's exactly what we're doing now is we're running plan a all the way through to plan z of uh, if this happens what do we do which way do we jump you know the perspective on this uh, is this is all of our day jobs and, and we care about this intensely so it's a tragedy for us not to be racing but honestly speaking just looking at the scientific data on all this, anyone over the age of 60 is in real risk of this. And, and we know we have a lot of baby boomers in our fan base, a lot. And we've got to take care of their interests um, as, as best we can. That's our responsibility. So we will be prudent and conservative. But on the other hand, we will be looking to get the season going as soon as we can. 
Yeah. Well, we wanted to address it because everyone's that's all you see on the news right now. But enough of the coronavirus shit. We want to kind of move on to some more positive stuff and talk about some other things. You know, five five ish years ago, I don't remember when you exactly took your took your job with American Flat Track. Um, was it five years ago? This is my fifth season. Okay, cool. I'm a real Michael Locke statistician, but um, <laughs> did, did you did you envision we would be where we are today in the sport? As far as kind of when you when you came in, did you think um, we'd we'd be at this level right now with our, our TV package and the way the like the rules are right now and three classes and things like that? Like when you first got to the job, what were your thoughts and did you envision where we'd be right now? Um, I mean, generally speaking, the answer would be yes on most of the measures of things we set out to do uh, going back four or five years, we have, uh, w- you know, we're either on the road to achieving them or we've got there. A couple of things have come up that made us change direction. Uh, we hadn't envisaged the production twins class at the outset, but frankly, we hadn't envisaged such a, 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 a dominant machine in the premier class. We had no way of knowing that the Indian would be so successful. And what we didn't want to do, we didn't want to lose competitors of the sport. And we didn't want to lose the more entry-level pricing in the Twins category. So production Twins evolved, I guess, as, uh, as a result of, of things that happened on the track. But on, on most of the other measures, I mean, OEM uh, participation was one of the top priorities for me. Um, back five years ago, we had one. OEM involved um, with a single rider, and uh, I'm, I'm sure that Vance and Hines and Harley wouldn't uh, wouldn't scold me too much for saying that it wasn't really a top priority for them at the time. Fast forward, and I think we got six or seven manufacturers involved, um, and we will have OEM support in in all three classes. With that comes contingency money, not only from the OEMs but also from the whole supply industry. We knew we had to boost contingency money as a quick way of getting earnings to the athletes, but also as a way of educating the athletes of what they have to do if they want to be professionals. You know, you have to conform to things that your sponsors want. They're going to pay you money, but they want something in return. So we saw all of that. Also, the the emergence of um, AFT events as as a promoter to supplement the independent promoters. We did think of that. We didn't think it would go quite quite as big as it has done. But we got demand from different parts of the country, from uh, from venues and from new fans. So we, we had to take the sport there. Um, so that that's on track. Broadcast, um, we dreamed. We dreamed of being with a big uh, network. But I'll be honest with you, I had, I had no visibility on how we were going to do it. So in the end, we got lucky because somebody at NBC saw the sport and, and, and saw some potential in it. And, and the partnership with them has been the biggest single driver of growth of the sport. So... So if I took you back and showed you the strategy document we did four and a half years ago, pretty much everything we're doing today was in it. You have to plan for that. And sometimes you cross your fingers and hold your breath a bit. But uh, but no, I think it's generally going in the direction we want. There's a, there's a few big hurdles and challenges, some of them right now, uh, and some of them things I already know are going to come up in the future. But, you know, that's our job. Um, we've got to do the best we can to keep growing it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's... There's been a lot of change over the last couple of years and, you know, obviously some, you know, I mean, it's just like anything, some like it, some don't, it, you know, if you look at the overall picture, like you said, I mean, there's more, more OEM involvement, TV, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of positives that, that, you know, are coming through it, but just kind of, kind of going back with some Michael Locke history or backstory, uh, you know, when did you first 
discover flat track? Is it something that you followed years ago or was it, is it kind of something that you just kind of found, um, you know, before you got the job? Um, how, how far do you date back, you know, with flat track? Well, that's a good question. Um, the first time I ever heard of flat track, I was a kid, I was a teenager in England and I was a big fan of motorcycles, but particularly road racing. And in the early mid eighties, I used to go, and watch the Motorcycle Grand Prix at um, Silverstone or Brands Hatch um, and the Transatlantic Match Races, which was a U.S. team against a European team, um, which they always used to run over Easter. Fred Cal Rayburn and, did that a bunch, right? Well, that's a little before my time. Is that before that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's I'm, way I'm before me, so, I, I, you know. <laughs> I'm a Freddie Spencer, Freddie okay. Spencer, Wayne Rainey. Um, Kenny Roberts, Eddie Lawson era. And I remember watching those guys live with my nose pressed up against the fence, watching them ride in a way I'd never seen any European, not even Barry Sheen, who was a hero in England. These guys were doing something different on the bike, particularly Roberts and Spencer. And there was a lot of talk in the press about it in the UK. You know, why are these guys so good? They're on the same machinery. And of course, you know, the sto- as the story goes, they all learned to flat track before they learned to road race. And they learned... Um, they learned counterintuitive things that no road racer ever learns, and they learned to back the bike in in a different way. And all these things are normal now in road racing, but back in the 80s, it was a revolution. So I heard a flat track from afar. There was no flat tracking in England. There was Speedway, which is really not the same thing. Um, so I knew, I, knew of the, I knew of the roots of road racing in flat track in the U.S. And then when I was in the U.S., I remember going to a, a mile at Indy, the year that MotoGP was in town, we all we all went over to the mile from the GP paddock, and I'm being fascinated. I just couldn't believe how fast the guys were going and corner corner speed, exit speed, how close everybody was together. And I thought these guys are complete pure nutcases, um, and that was a big impression I got. And then, of course, you know, you fast forward a few years, and I'm chatting with Jim France, who I've known for a long time, and and uh, and he owns all pro motorcycle racing in the U.S. and has a real soft spot in his heart for flat track and we were just chatting and he said you know i want flat track to be great i want flat track to grow again i want it to be the number one most exciting uh, motorcycle sport in the u.s and we need some new ideas can you come down and have a look so i flew down from dc where i was living and uh and spent a few weeks um looking at flat track following the management team went to a couple of races and wrote jim a report on what I thought had to be done and what I thought was possible in scaling it and getting it to pay for itself and getting the riders treated like stars and, and, and so on and so forth. And, and he liked that report and um, put it to the board and the board agreed. And so they approved the plan. And then he said, well, you're going to have to come down and do it. It's your plan. Um, so <laughs> I came down and I've been doing it ever since. Yeah. Have you watched like a bunch of, any videos from like the eighties or the nineties on YouTube? Like, Oh my God. Yes, I have. Scott yeah, Parker, Barbara Schober. Barbara I mean, Schober. Yeah. Man, I was just, I mean, I remember, I, was, I remember him from road racing, uh, but when I saw him as a flat track racer, I've got a whole new respect for him. Yeah. Do you know who Rusty Rogers is? Have you ever heard of that guy? I know the name. Yeah. You should YouTube him. You won't be disappointed. He's uh, he right. would either win or crash. So he had a mullet. I mean, it was, it was pure American so for a bit, sure. A bit like you, Corey. A bit like you said. <laughs> Yeah, I forget. Yeah. I forget the year. It was. It was early '90s. What was it? Parkersburg, West Virginia. He was going for the win, the last lap, and his post-race interview is gold, gold. Yeah, 
Okay, that's the content we it's on youtube i'll find it i'll send it to you but yeah no i was i mean for me i grew up at the flat track races i went to my first uh what was the camel pro series and i was two weeks old it was in california i I rode in the motorhome i was two weeks old and went to my first pro race with my dad and been uh been at it ever since i mean i think your first week in the office i think was our first was our first meeting i think it was a little bit of a disagreement, but <laughs> over the years we've developed, uh, you know, kind of an understanding of each other. And I, I, um, yeah. What's your, what was your first Corey Texter moment? I mean, is something you can talk about here? Oh, oh my God. Well, uh, I, I wouldn't in a public place. Um, what I thought of you when I first heard you open your mouth, but, uh, but as you say, we've, we've moved on and, uh, and you are a respected, um, and insightful member of the paddock. And I think you're serving on a rider group this year to help us with track maintenance and prep. And, and that's a reflection of, um, you know, all the good things we're getting out of flat track. And the, I think the good relationship, generally speaking, that um, the pro community has with the series, because, you know, we either build it together or it doesn't get built. Neither party can do it by themselves. And I agree. In, in four in four or five years, one of the biggest changes in the sport it's not that we agree with each other all the time. I don't think that's ever going to happen. And you never learn anything if you all agree. Um, no, the big change isn't that we agree with each other all the time. The big change is we're all pulling in the same direction to try and get the same thing. We might have different views on how to get there, but I don't think there's any distance between uh, us down you know, in, in Daytona at the series and you guys all over the country about uh, having a confidence and a, a passion to grow this. So I think that's a big, big, big change. Yeah. So, well, speaking of that, I'm sure you get, you know, I've sent emails. I'm sure you get emails and calls every week after every race. Is there a bigger pain in the ass than Jared Meese? I mean, <laughs> the qu- the well, question we have here is, is, is there a writer that, who's the writer that calls and complains most besides Jared Meese? <laughs> I know, I know you're not going to call anybody well, out, but is there, is there anybody would... that's, that's a, that's a bigger pain in your side than Jared Meese? Well, actually, I mean, let's face it, guys. He's actually a very small pain in the ass, not a very big. <laughs> um, and, and 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 we joke because he pokes and prods, and he always wants more information. I think I think he's a he's he's a professional, uh, and he's a very tightly focused professional. And I can tell you, most of the time, when Jared texts me or calls me these days, it's to make a constructive comment. Almost always now. I wish I could say otherwise, but actually. <laughs> He, he calls me or texts me quite regularly, often right after events. He's been thinking about something and, and texts me and says, hey, did you guys think about doing it this way instead? Or if you did, this is what would happen. And that's, you know, that's free, unpaid advice from Jared Mees. I think I win. Yeah, he does the same for me. He'll, he'll call me and be like, hey, what, what do you think if we did this? Like, we, you know, because we've been on the kind of the, the advisory board for a few years now and now we're both yeah. on the, uh, you know, the, um, the the new board, which kind of is, is really cool, actually, that, you know, um, on race day, you have a couple riders that are going to kind of help, you know, make decisions about track prep and things like that. And, and Jared kind of is, um, yeah, Jared's Jared. I, I guess that's the best way I can describe it here right now. But he's kind of a pain in everybody's ass. So we kind of we kind of like just deal with him to an extent, but at the same time, he's very knowledgeable. And as you yeah. as you just said, he's been pretty constructive with his, his criticism and he does a really good job and he doesn't really just think of himself, which is something we might not, not have been able to say 10 years ago, but uh, I think Jake has something on that. <laughs> I do have to throw something out there. I was going to mention it earlier in the show, me and Jared, we, we go back 
a long time. We raced together as kids, things like that. I'm a couple years older, so I was always like a class ahead until we got on to like 250s and 600s. But I guess I can, I can say Jared Mees is one of my sponsors this year. I uh, I ordered some tires before Daytona to show up at the house. I get a sh- uh, ship, or, you know, a UPS notification or email that another two sets of tires are coming to my house. I'm like, huh. I wonder if they messed up or, you know, I'm like, well, whatever. I'm, I'm going to need tires no matter what. So the tires show up, go out to the end of the driveway, grab the box, open it up. And it says two F5 fronts, two R5 rears. And at the bottom of the invoice, it says Jared Mees gifts you these tires. So hmm. got to give a shout out to Jared Mees, you know, a small tire sponsor this year. It's going to be my Daytona tire sponsor, but, you know. Obviously, that that didn't happen, but hopefully I could uh, I could uh, beat him on his own tires. That that would be nice. But hopefully I don't get busted in post race tech with with a set of Jeremy's tires. I just need to throw that out there. I, I couldn't I couldn't possibly comment about that. <laughs> well, we watch a bunch of old videos and the way things were, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you had guys you know, smoking, well, maybe 20, 25 years ago, guys smoking cigarettes on the starting line. You had guys in sleeveless tees and sandals out there during the hot pit. Ricky Winsett is a rider from Pennsylvania. He won Daytona short track, the season opener, in a sweatshirt. I, I, always, I always joke around with Briar. I'm like, damn, Michael Locke would love this. I mean, sarcasm, of course, but how do you find a balance from the blue collar feel of the sport that has made it so successful to becoming more professional and attracting bigger sponsors? I don't think the two are incompatible, actually. Um, uh, You know, there is an undeniable all-American blue-collar feel about the sport. It's part of of why it's cool. But that's not distinct from the athletes, the riders, approaching the sport in a professional way. So, you know, I saw you last week, Corey, turning up at the Media Day photo shoot in an amazing... Um, pair of leathers with a super cool helmet and that catches the eye for fans and it makes you guys look glamorous and like stars but but underneath the leathers and the helmet you're the same guys and you know you're throwing it around that track giving it everything that hasn't changed um so i I think there's a balance to be had uh we want the sport to look as scalable as possible it's a word i use a lot scalable means can i pick aft up and market it to Malaysia or Saudi Arabia or South Africa. Yeah, I can, because it's an awesome sport and they don't know anything about it. But it's got to look attractive to them. It's got to look like, wow, these gods from America. That's what it's got to look like. And But it doesn't change the way you ride. It doesn't change the way you train. It doesn't change how all you guys hang out or go hunting or go uh, uh, cycle riding together. That, that culture is impregnable. Um, and we have no interest in touching that. But the skin of the sport, the way that people all over the world will relate to it instantly, in the way that they relate to other global sports like MotoGP or F1, where the guys look like they're the best in the world. Well, you guys are the best in the world, so you deserve to look like it. So that's my opinion on that. Yeah, I mean, I showed up to the media shoot in a gym shorts and a backwards hat. And then, yeah, once I go to work, I put on my my business suit, I guess you could say. But um, no, I, I agree. For sure, I, I think that I think it's a good a good out, good outlook on it, and um, yeah, I just just was kind of curious on that. I mean, I know the fans, you know, they they love the blue collar feel of it. They 
they they kind of love like guys that are the underdogs and and win races so um you know it, it's important to kind of have that feel a bit but also become more attractive to the bigger sponsors um it, it, yeah. totally, it totally is and i know this is a a source of a lot of discussion um by people who love the sport is um what do you sacrifice of your soul to grow that's an eternal question my job is to make sure we don't sacrifice any soul that we grow uh, and it's a it's a tricky balance sometimes but you know the 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 the, the plucky underdog um the plucky underdog still in the sport uh Dalton Gautier has got a factory Harley ride this year because as a plucky underdog with an independent bike in fact I think he had three different bikes last year maybe four he ends up winning a championship um a glorious story and gets rewarded with a with a a salary a salary in this sport which that was a, an unknown word a few years ago so it's still possible if you've got the talent and you've got the determination you can do it and you can start in the singles class where there isn't much in the way of machinery advantage you can do it in the production twins class which is really still the most creative class of the lot um and you can and you can bring along any kind of machine you want uh, and the pinnacle of the of the achievement you know the sharp end of this is super twins where there are 18 guys the best guys in the world and next year it might be 15 of those 18 guys and three new ones or it might be 10 of those guys and eight new ones i don't know the market will take care of that not us um so i think i think we can we can protect the soul of the sport the only real way you can protect the soul of the sport is you make the sport pay for itself because that way you guarantee there will be a next season and season after that if it doesn't pay for itself it becomes amateur um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but that would be a shame for pro flat track really to, um, to, to walk into the shadows and not have pro athletes in it. So I think I, I see it as, as my job, my responsibility to try and balance that soul with the need for the sport to make money in the, in the modern world. It's kind of funny. I mean, it's kind of come full circle for me. I'm kind of holding it down for the underdogs this year. You know, I've had factory rides. I've had, you know, I've kind of been every every part of the sport. Now I'm back uh, super twins in my van, uh, you know, so it, it's it is a lot tougher nowadays. But I mean, you could still be the guy out of the van and and uh Go hopefully win some races and, and run well, up front. That's Jay, my that's my plan. I got to ask that's you. my plan. I got to ask you. You you believe you can win races this year, right? I do. I do. If I, if I yeah. if I didn't, I wouldn't be there. Um, you wouldn't do I it. I mean, right. it's it's a lot harder. I think. Um, but but there's some there's some places where I feel like I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like I have a chance anywhere we go. Um, some places better than others, but I, you know that's where I'm at. If if I didn't feel like I could still win. I would, I would do something else. So, I mean, it's obviously, it's a little bit harder, you know, a little less support, a little, a little different, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing out of, you know, out of my Ford transit, couple Indians and, uh, you know, going to go, going to go try to run down Mies and Bauman and see what we can do. So, well, that's what we're all here for. Yeah. So, uh, got one more one more little little segment lined up for you we know you're a busy guy we're gonna get it wrapped up here but we do a high line or low line uh segment uh every episode it's just uh just kind of a this or that we're gonna give you uh two options and uh you know pick one a little little short description but um first one what uh what are you a bigger fan of uh moto gp or formula one oh moto gp 
I like that answer. I like that. That was a quick one. That was a quick one. There's no question. There's no question on that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm the same way. I've I've started to follow Formula Formula One a little bit more. There was a documentary on Netflix. Uh, They just came out with a season. They just came out with a season two. I haven't got to watch it yet, but uh, yeah, I mean motorcycles. I'm a motorcycle guy, but Formula One is pretty cool. Next question. I love the technology, but um, but no, MotoGP. Those guys are not human. (laughs) No, <laughs> we got another MotoGP related one here in, a, in a, a few questions, but this next one is Supercross related. I don't know how much of a Supercross fan you are, but um, Eli Tomac or Ken Roxon, who you picking? New uh, Ken Roxon. Oh, I love oh, it. Oh, he's quick with the, quick with the answers. All right, I like is... I like Ken. I, I I like his character in interviews. I I follow him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's definitely he's definitely got a personality and. I mean, Tomac is all business. It's it's can't take anything from that guy. But Ken, he's no. yeah, he's he's kind of the fan favorite, I would say. Um, I would say so too. Yeah, this is a Corey question. This is good, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger or Chuck Norris? Wow, what am I doing with him? Uh, I guess in a I guess in a fight in their prime. Having, having your back, having your back in a yeah. bar fight. Who are you picking to uh, stand by you? Yeah, if AFT gets so big that you that Michael Locke needs a uh, needs a security <laughs> crew, who's who's heading your security? Oh, definitely Schwarzenegger. He's got a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I was man. I was feeling it when I was writing these questions out. I, I thought that would have been a good. Um, back to the MotoGP kind of deal. Uh, Mark Marquez or Valentino Rossi? Oh, Mark Marquez. Hmm. All he right. Is so, the most, he is the most technically gifted, focused rider I've seen ever, I think. In, and I've been, watching, I've been watching GP for 35 years. Uh, it's a delight to watch Marquez. Valentino's a lovely guy, real personality, bubbly, clever. But Mark Marquez is a once-in-a-lifetime rider. I mean, you can't argue with what he's what he's done. Um, this is a good one right here. Corey or Shayna? <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that would depend. <laughs> you see, you never quite know what Corey's going to say. <laughs> Whereas Shayna, you've got a little bit more predictability. So I guess it depends on the circumstances. <laughs> Okay. That wasn't as bad as I thought. I'll, I'll accept that, Mike, but that, that's a good one. Um, as far as you, you know, you're from overseas, you live in America now. Is it football or soccer? Football. Football. Okay. It is a game is a game you play with a ball and your feet. Therefore, football. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I'd ask you for some predictions on the season, but Probably can't, probably can't get those out of you. I don't know what I can get out of you on this show. I thought, I thought I'd kind of like sway a little bit and see what I could get out of you and kind of push some buttons a bit. But it's been a pretty tame show. I mean, uh, <laughs> any, any 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 closing thoughts? Anything you want to give give the fans uh, before we let you go? I think all three classes this year are wide open. I genuinely believe that, and I think that will give people the best racing we've had in years. I think all three classes wide open. You can't say who's going to win. You can make a good case out for five or six in every class. That's awesome. So that's my prediction. 
Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Hopefully, hopefully we can get this thing rolling at, at some point in the near future. But uh, yeah, we, we appreciate your time coming on and uh, having a little fun. And, and, you know, I mean, obviously we all know what was going on, but uh, get a little inside uh, what's going on in American flat track right now and a little bit of what the what the game plan is. And it, it sounds like it's as soon as we get the go, we're going racing and, and doing we, whatever we can to, to get uh, full season or or close to it. So, uh, you know, us as riders and I'm sure as fans uh, appreciate that. And, uh, you know, all this, everything everybody's doing, hopefully it works out and everybody stays healthy as, as much as possible. And uh, we can get past this and uh, get back to having fun. But again, like, thank you for coming on and uh, giving a little of your insight. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll see you at the racetrack soon. Yeah, look forward to it, guys. Take care of yourselves. All right, you Thanks, too. Thanks, Michael. Bye now. All right, Michael Locke. That was pretty good, Jake. I, I wasn't quite expecting all of that info, and that was that was good. I was I'm I'm happy with that one. That was awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's you know the obviously the the major issue at hand. It's kind of what we all expected. It's it's out of our hands right now, and um, but. You know, he seems like he's he's ready. He wants to uh, he wants to go racing just as bad as we do. So, um, so yeah, everybody, stay in your house, stay healthy. Let's uh, let's kill this thing so we can uh, we can go back racing and have some fun. Yes, sir. I love it. We have a bunch of fan questions. I've been kind of reaching out on social media, trying to get some fans to ask us some questions and we got some good ones this week, Jake. Let's, let's get right into it. The first question, if you could bring any track back as a national, what one would it be? We might've already actually answered this. Cause I kind of remember you saying municipal stadium in Daytona, but I don't know, Jake, what, what, what are you thinking? Yeah, I saw this question and man, it's hard to say. There's, there's a lot of tracks that I've, I've liked, and miss throughout the years but man i don't know i mean municipal stadium it's not gonna happen so you know that's probably one of my all-time favorites but i don't know i I mean every track that i loved i've gone to and there's been times i hated it so i I don't know there's (laughs) there's nothing really that comes to mind right now um actually the the one that comes to mind right now is pomona um but i don't think that's possible either um, unless I go ride Red Bull straight rhythm or something, but, um, Pomona was a cool track. Um, obviously right, right in Southern California and, you know, it, it was a cool track, cool place, but yeah, I, I guess I have to say Pomona. Pomona was fun. I think I've only ridden Pomona once. Um, I think it was my rookie year and I had a lot of fun there. It was a good track for me. I like concrete indoors. I've never got to race a concrete indoor national. I don't know how many that they've had over the years, but I know the Cow Palace ran in 2004. So oh, God, that was horrible. It was. <laughs> I didn't get there. It was horrible for me. It was horrible for me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you grew up on it. I mean, I remember I was just, like, about to turn pro. I wasn't pro yet. They had that indoor I remember the main event was like seven or eight Pennsylvania riders. So, yeah, I, I love the concrete. I do well at concrete indoors. I think if there is a national where I would be most 
looking forward to going there to win. It would kind of be a concrete short track. So it'd be cool to race one of those. I think for fans, it's just watching an indoor and, and, you know, seeing all the action right in front of you. I think that's really cool from a fan standpoint. There's a lot of fights. There's a lot of temperament. I think it'd be cool to have more of those races, but yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking when I first saw the question. Obviously there's some other races that I thought about in the mile, of course, and, yeah, uh, man, there's there's a few obvious choices, but yeah, that's kind of a curveball I kind of thought of. Just something something that I I'd, I'd never even raced it, but I think it'd be cool to to do something like like that. And I've I've heard of Ascot. Like growing up, my dad would always talk about Ascot, and I never got to race it. And it sounded like a very painful track. I think my dad told me they used to wear cardboard under underneath their leathers because of how bad it fucking hurt. So I think. Ascot would be cool just from a, like a history standpoint, but I never got to race it, but sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that <laughs> I got a funny, <laughs> I got a funny story about Ascot. I'm not old enough to, to have raced there, but, um, heard this story from, uh, the late great, uh, Gene Romero. Obviously they raced there. It sounded like three times a week, you know, back in the day. So, <laughs> You know, and it was gnarly. They, I guess it was a clay, but they would till it up, and there was just bolts and lug nuts and nasty stuff in the track. And obviously, every you know, like you said about the cardboard, guys would just get pelted. And uh, I guess it was right around the time that the uh, that the draft was going on. And Gene decides, well, hey, I'm not putting cardboard in my leathers. I'm getting beat. You know, I'm gonna let this thing beat the shit out of me, right? So. He goes out and gets beat to death. You know, he's got bruises all over his chest. Goes goes in that Monday morning or whatever to for his physical for the draft, and they go, man. You know, he takes his shirt off and goes, whoa, 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 what what happened to you? Oh man, I don't know. I it, it shows up like every every Sunday, and you know, it's gone by Wednesday. I I, I don't know what it is. But, you know, all right, come back next week. You know, he goes to Ascot again and, you know, definitely no cardboard that week and gets pelted again <laughs> and goes back in. And, you know, I guess <laughs> I guess he got out of, you know, got out of getting drafted because he get got the shit knocked out of him at uh, at uh, Ascot. So, um, yeah, funny, you know, just a, a funny that's story. Crazy. But uh, but yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, that uh, that's one of those places that seem like it was uh legendary obviously legendary um but yeah uh I mean, obviously before both of our times but yeah i my dad would always talk about ascot um and if there's one track like you talking about nuts and bolts on the racetrack if there's one racetrack jake that we race at right now i'm thinking of a track when you walk the track do you see big rocks nuts and bolts um, this track actually we've raced there a few times, um, over the years in the past few years. And I've lost fate. I've broken face shields from this track. It's a, it's an awesome track, but we'll, you know, I'm, you know what I'm thinking of right now? Rapid city, rapid city. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's a good racetrack, but I remember coming in and just broke, having it like broke Brad, Brad Baker's leg with a yeah, rock. That's, that's right. That's yeah. right. I didn't even think of, I remember coming in and, old Danny asked like come over he's like bro he's like 
my number plate's broken half. The rocks are so bad. I come in, I'm like, bro, look at my face shield. It's like, it has cracks all down it. But <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's pretty funny. But next question is, uh, have either of you ridden the ice? Uh, as far as ice racing goes, how do you like it? Me and Jake are kind of mutual on this. I'm pretty sure we like it, but it's pretty fucking cold to ride on the ice. So we're, unless, I mean, in Pennsylvania, we don't have big, big lakes to ride on. We have little ponds and most of the guys around here build little short tracks and it's not that fun for, for me at least, but I do see some of the three hour endurance races in Wisconsin and that looks cool, but cool is only so cool when your hands are numb, your face is frostbite. I'd rather go to Florida than, than go ice racing, but yeah, I'm not sure what Jake thinks on that. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's tough. Um, yeah. And being in Pennsylvania, we only get ice here maybe once every two or three years. Like barely this winter was not even close. Um, last year, I don't think we got any ice the year before. I think we got out one weekend. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I know for me, it's tough because it's so much fun. If you have good tires, the ice is good. There's nothing better, like nothing better, but the rest of it is, is pretty hard. Um, keeping your, you know, yeah, go out and ride three laps and you can't feel your hands anymore. And, um, obviously guys, Wisconsin, Michigan are a little better prepared for it. Um, running (laughs) their, Heated glow, heated whatever. Heated handlebars. They run their yeah. they run the coolant from the radiator through the handlebars. Uh, you know, so I mean, I guess there's. But for us, like I said, Pennsylvania, we get to ride here once every two or three years, so that's a lot of work. And you know, so if we do get ice, I just go tough it out for a weekend or two at last. Um, but you know, I, when it's thirty degrees. 30 degrees, the ice is good enough. If you got good tires, like it's it's doable, dealable, and a lot of fun. But um, I'm pretty sure the last time I rode on the ice, it was like 12, and it was fun for about six minutes at a time. You know, you just go into your <laughs> like face or your hands, and then sit around and melt your gloves on the exhaust pipe trying to warm up and things like that. But um, yeah, but no, I like I, ice riding just for the fact that we can drink beer after. Like, there's a lot of beer drinking when it comes to ice riding, and that, that's probably the most fun I have. Just going ice riding, it's low key, it's off season, and we drink beer afterward. Or you know, it's good. Yeah. Like that's kind of you know what I mean. Like, yeah, fun. And the cool thing by us is when we do ice ride, we go up what around Pine Grove to that uh, Blue Mountain. Blue Mountain whatever they got a little bar restaurant in between a little pond and a bigger pond so you know you go ride all day and then let us ride for free because it draws people in so we go out and ride and go in afterwards and have a burger and a beer and uh probably good so so yeah riding ice i like it um i'd rather ride moto it in 85 degree weather but um same yeah, but middle of January, February in Pennsylvania, and if there's ice, I, um, I'm going. So. Yeah, 
Eh, something to do. I mean, it's anytime on a bike is good. I mean, if you're in Wisconsin, if you're in Michigan and you can ride the ice, I think it makes you a better rider, but I don't seek the ice. Like I seek warm weather, but, <laughs> um, next question. This is a, huh, this is a very broad question. It might be tricky. What are your favorite tires to run? <laughs> yeah. It's whatever works what? best. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, as far as flat track tires, as long as I've been doing this, I don't have much ex- much experience on anything other than Goodyear's and Dunlops. Um, I mean, I guess because I guess most of my career I haven't really run a whole, whole lot of outlaw races, and if I do, I just run a Dunlop or Goodyear because that's what we that's what we race. Um, you know, at the well, nationals predictable so. too. I mean, yeah, the and that's, are always predictable. And that's what I've found out like a Dunlop or, you know, the old Goodyear, it's, it's always good. Um, you know, Maxis, uh, I don't have a whole lot of time on a Midas or the new Hoosier or Shinkos or whatever, but it seems like anything other than a, a Dunlop, it's either really, really, really good or really, really, really bad, depending bad. on uh, the track conditions and things like that. So I've always stuck with Dunlop Goodyear, you know, throughout the years, because I knew I knew what I was going to get. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, limestone, I'm, all, I'm always on a Maxis. Like, like the, the Ohio limestone tracks, you know, Circleville, even like York, Pennsylvania, Gratz, um, Maxis is a pretty safe bet. But I've run a max on clay tracks where it's like sick, like you're 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 hooked up, they're working great. Third lap, it's like it's just somebody just greased your tire with WD forty. I mean, Max's tires are so unpredictable for me. I I just stick with Dunlops for the most part. Um, there's some tracks in Florida like those dirt cushions where like the Midas tires work work really well. So it, it just depends what track you're on. Honestly, I've never run a continental i'm pretty that's before my time jake maybe you're yeah older than me. maybe maybe you've run a continental I, i've ran a continental got... i i actually have one i actually still have an old continental i, I just uh just found the other day that's pretty funny yeah i've never run a continental i've never run a fucking shinko like i'm sorry if anyone's like a shinko distributor that listens to our show but i just like i just can't run a shinko like i don't know it's just like i don't know they, they could be the greatest tire ever and I think you can buy them for like 60, 70 bucks. Like they're pretty cheap, but there's like three things. I think you shouldn't buy at a discount in life. It's surgery, like getting a surgery, like on, on your body, uh, getting a tattoo. You shouldn't take a discount on a tattoo and buying a flat track tire. Like, I just don't <laughs> think you should like, yeah, Shinkos are cheap, but there's a reason they're $40. Like I just, I'm not a big, I don't know. I, I never used them. I can't talk too much shit, but I'm not, not putting a Shinko on my bike to go win a local race, but hey, are you a Shinko guy, Jake? Have you run a Shinko? Uh, never a Shinko flat track tire. I think I've bought some, I think I bought some Shinkos for some mini bikes and things over the years, some knobbies or something like that. But, but yeah, I, yeah, like you said, I mean, flat track tires, it's, it's like road race tires. I mean, there's, I don't know. I mean, it was just going back to, I'm, I'm glad we have a spec tire. You know, there's people that say, Oh, we need to open it up and do this. Well, if you do that, you're going to have to have about eight different rear wheels. 
you know, oh, two, man. It two compounds in every brand. Um, yep. it's just, uh, you know, cause sometimes they work and sometimes they don't at all. Yep. So, um, there's just, yeah, it just varies so much. And, uh, like I said, the, the Dunlops and the old good years have always been pretty consistent. So, um, yep. that's just exactly. kind of, you know, that's what we race on when it counts. So I've always tried to not stray too far from that. So, yeah, I, I actually just, I mean, I'm a shameless plug, but I just did a full, article in the new sideburn magazine on tires and i kind of touch upon a lot of this article so anyone listening sideburn magazine the latest i have a big article on tires but um next question there was a fan and this is a fan question i was at razzles friday night and there was there was a lot of talent in the arena did (laughs) chambers have any luck with chicks while in daytona uh, Chambers is not currently with us right now, I guess, in the podcast <laughs> world. We're going to call him. Hopefully he'll answer. Um, as far as I, I, I believe know. he's the only beer store in Pennsylvania open right now. So he is, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he's busy. Dude, I, he was sending me a photo yesterday and he was putting plexiglass in his, uh, in his uh, in his beer store, he's like, dude, this is some some Chester County shit right now. <laughs> so he's uh, yeah, Chambers, they they sell groceries and other items. They own a, a beer distributor, and so he's been swamped. I've I've barely been able to even contact the guy since we've gotten home from Florida. But as far as his razzle experiences go, I know he had quite a few nights where he'd show up. I think it was one morning. He, I was like 7 a.m. I was drinking coffee in the living room. He wasn't home. I, I didn't expect him to come home. We were getting ready to go on a, a bicycle ride. He shows up ah, 7:30, about to leave to go on the bike ride. He storms in the door. He's got glitter all over his sweatshirt. He looks like he just climbed out of a sewer. And he's like, "Dude, I'm ready for my. I'm ready for the bike ride. Let's go." I'm like, "Jesus, dude, where did you come from?" He's like, "I had a hell of a night. Let me tell you." I'm like, "All right." First off, don't touch anything. Go shower. Don't touch cruise. <laughs> and then we'll yeah. go on the bike ride. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll have to call him and get an update. Hopefully he answers. Yeah. Yeah. So, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hopefully he's he's just not laying low because he's got the he's got COVID nineteen from from Razzles. But... Uh, shit, dude, it was crazy in Florida. We were all coughing like. Every time I go to Florida, I get allergies from, like, all the pollen and shit that just falls on your car at night. And we were all coughing, like Noah, Chad, myself. And to be honest, we were kind of poking fun about the corona, and it's not so funny anymore. It's like, no, it's, no. Uh, it's not funny. It's like, no. shit, this, yeah, this sucks. So, uh, to, to all your listeners, we, we are practicing social distancing. Uh, yeah. Corey's at his house. I'm at my house. Carter's at his house in Florida, so uh, we're 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 fighting the fight. We're we're yeah, we're doing our doing our part. So yeah, don't be dumbasses. Like people are going to bars and shit. Like don't be dumb. This is just get this get this done so we can fucking get back to normal. Um, <laughs> next question. Best advice for somebody starting in flat track? Shit, Jake. I'll let you take this one. It's a broad question. Go to college. I was gonna say get buy golf clubs, but I don't want to yeah. totally ruin somebody, you know. No, I, I don't know. I mean, it's that's a tough question. I mean, 
yeah, I guess looking, I guess at the age I am now looking at as a, as you know, a fatherly figure, um, you know, if my daughter came to me and said she wanted to race flat track, I said, I would say no way. Uh, if I had a son, I would say no way, but I, I don't know, but I, I, you can't, you can't say bad. I mean, it, it's been a lot of fun for me. I've learned a lot and experienced a lot of things because of it. Um, so I, I, I don't want to deter anybody. I mean, if that's your dream and that's what you want to do, um, man, I, I don't know. I don't know. There, there's so many different, different ways to approach it. Um, you know, like you see all the, the mini dads and, you know, some people say just have fun with it. And, you know, then you got the mini dads out there that are, you know, not letting their kids eat cause they finished second, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it all depends. I mean, my dad was, was a bit tough on me. Um, you know, I'm not saying they didn't let me eat if I got second, but you know, but he, he pushed me and, and, um, I, I think, the world in general is, is maybe lacking that a little bit. Um, you know, he, if I didn't do what I was supposed to do, he, he held me responsible. Um, yeah. You know, if I didn't, you know, I wasn't allowed to run around and play football and act like a fool at the, at the racetrack, we were there to race. And, yep. um, you know, some people saw that as, as him being a little too hard on me, but, but I, I don't know. That's, I guess just having that mentality, like I, I feel bad for my daughter. Like, <laughs> you know, if she wants yeah. to play soccer or something like that, it's, it's okay. You want to play soccer? We're going to the world cup. You know, we're not, we're not just going there and having fun and doing the, you know, well, yeah, we'll have fun. But if, but if she wants to do it and she shows some talent and, and I, and I see that she has what it takes and that's what she wants to do. We're, we're, we're going after it. We're, we're, yeah, we're, you know, we're going to take it serious. Yeah, I uh, agree. I mean, same thing, same thing. Like if, like whatever Cruz wants, if he wants to be a synchronized swimmer, it, I don't care what he does, but you're going to put the effort in. You're going to, you know, be the best at what you're doing that you could be like, why go out and be average, you know, like go out and, and do your best, like put, put all you have into it. So as far as, you know, starting out in flat track, I would say just like, Try and, you know, get with guys that know what they're doing. Like, get with somebody that's done it, has experience, somebody you trust, somebody that you have fun, you know, doing it with. I mean, if it's a hobby, you've got to have fun. you gotta, yeah. you got to want to do it, have good racetracks to ride at, have, have things like that. But if you're getting started, I would just say have fun. I mean, for me, I race my best at the professional level. I've done it for a long time when I'm having fun. So, you know, get a good setup, get with guys that have done it before and just have fun with it. I mean, I would, yeah. you know, it depends what age you're at. If you're 30, 40 years old, I mean, obviously you're not going to, you know, go and race AFT probably. I mean, you could, but if your goal is to go out and have fun, just, yeah, get, get good advice. Look online. There's definitely a lot of stuff online you can look for and reach out to guys. I mean, in this sport, it's cool because guys like Jake, myself, I mean, there's a lot of, top level guys that are very friend uh, sorry fan friendly and will we're more than willing to uh, help out with things like that so yeah yeah i mean that's the biggest thing i mean if you're starting out have fun figure it out and if it's 
it, it gets to a point where you kind of have to make that decision. It's like, okay, th- we're just going to do this and, you know, we're just going to have some fun. We're just going to go to a local track every weekend and, and have some fun and this and that, you know, it's, yeah, it, it's, you gotta, you get to that point and you gotta make that, that decision, whether it's like, this is what I'm doing or yeah, this is what we're just doing on the weekend for fun. And yeah. You know, and, and if you decide, hey, this is you got some talent, you got some good results coming, you got some good things going. Good it luck. <laughs> that, like, you can, yeah, you can go from a hobby to taking it serious within a couple weekends. I remember Shana, yeah. she didn't even race when I started racing. She was just kind of hanging out the track. And my dad, you know, he bought a TTR, clapped out 125, put street tires on it because she wanted to try it. And then whipping like, oh, up, shit. whipping up the girls' class at all the local races. Yeah, I remember she, a, she rode just the women's <laughs> class, and then it was like, oh shit, she's actually really fast. And within a year of her putting street tires, Buell Blast tires on her TTR 125, she she turned pro like two years later. So yeah, it, it, you can change. It can change quick. I actually, you you said your dad was really hard on you, and. Um, which in a good way, you know, he, he made you the rider you are and the person you are. And that was kind of my dad too. There was one instance. Um, I mean, it's no surprise that I, I honestly feel like Shane has always been the golden child. <laughs> so there's been, a, there was a, a time where oh, I forget, like me and Shana didn't get along at all when we were younger. And there was one time I, she like, for some reason she was like, she kicked me. I, I forget what, why or what, but she kicked me. She had, she had, we were at the farm riding. She kicked me with her shoe on or her, um, motocross boot on and I, I gave her the middle finger. So like I was pissed. I just flipped her off. <laughs> My dad only saw me flipping her off. He didn't let me race that whole entire weekend. We had like a double header <laughs> Shippensburg Pass Alley. He punished me for flipping her off. And I told him like, dude, I'm like, she kicked me. I was like, that's why I flipped her off. He's like, I didn't see that. He's like, I only saw you flipping her off. I'm like, shit, <laughs> he just kicked me. So yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, our, our dads, you know, they're they're tough on us, but they made yeah. made us the riders we are today, and uh, yeah. I don't regret any of it. So and, and every kid's different. Some kids need their butt, <laughs> some kids need their butt wiped, and you know, you're doing a good job or this that, you know, and some I guess it worked out for me. My dad, you know, he pushed me, and that's what I needed. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, yeah, that's a tough question. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, we got a little sidetracked, but yeah, it was, it's such a broad question. Just do what you think works, have fun. And you know, if, if you get to that point where you think it's going to work out, just, you know, don't do it half assed. just, you know, that's work hard. Yeah. Yep. Next question: Who is this is a tough one? Who is relieved and who is bummed about Daytona being pushed back? I think some guys really wanted to start the season on a TT. Man, if anybody is relieved that we're not starting the season opener, I'm gonna bitch slap them. Like, <laughs> you're like, it doesn't matter if you're a TT fan or not. Like, for us to not race the season opener, it's just a bad deal. Um, yeah, it just sucks. So, yeah, I don't know, Jake. I mean, I don't think anybody's relieved. I literally have not heard anybody say, "Oh, I'm glad, glad we've got the season pushed back." I mean, it's a very serious thing. So, 
I don't know. That's just yeah. my I don't. I don't think anybody's relieved. No, it's well, just everything that's going on makes it a little bit different because it's not just Daytona being pushed back. It's Atlanta, Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, life. Life's being life's on hold right now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think every obviously everybody was bummed. It, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, it'd be different if it got rained out. You know, some. You know, it'd be easier to say, "Oh man, whew, that's uh, you know." Man, I, I was yeah. I was not ready for that TT. We got rained out, blah blah blah. But just with everything that's going on, it just makes it a lot different. And you know, everything is so unsure right now that you know we don't know what's what's going on. So that's just one less race. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I think in general, everybody was bummed. Um, you know, obviously there's some people that are better on tts and not as good on tts but i i think as a whole um everybody was was ready and put the work in and and was ready to race whether they were a good tt rider or not and so i i think everybody was was pretty bummed about it yeah i agree next question with howerton going to the harley team will they be a championship contender this season uh ricky howerton's a good dude he's very very good at what he does i just don't i don't think it matters the brand honestly i think and there's it's no offense to anybody else in the series i think there's two guys that are going for the championship i think it's jared meese and briar bauman so and i don't think it matters you know who is riding what the brand etc i think the bikes the harleys will be better ricky howerton is gonna obviously obviously bring some some great insight to the team. He's going to make the bikes better, but I just don't see those guys being able to contend with Briar or Jared for the course of an entire season. Um, they're on the same teams they were on last year. The bikes, you know, the Indians are, are they're, they're proven motorcycles. Will will Harley possibly contend for wins? I think they will. I really do. I think they'll be good on some racetracks. I just don't think over the course of a season they can beat. Briar and they can't beat Jared, but shit. I mean, prove me wrong. I mean, it'd, it'd be good for the sport. I just don't know. Yeah, yeah. Championship contender is 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 hard to say yes. Um, they've been getting better every year. Um, Ricky Howerton coming in, Brian Smith um, are going to add some new knowledge, some different things to the program. Uh, my prediction here, let's, let's throw it. I'm going to start making predictions. Yeah. Um, Brian <laughs> Smith. <sighs> I don't know. Or, or, <laughs> I say that I say that he's, he could win a mile this year. I, I'm holding, you, you think he's the guy out of the three guys to win? Honestly, like, I think, I mean, Jared Vanderkoy has been solid since he's been on that bike for, you know, for what he's had to deal with through going through the, through the development of it. I mean, he's been pretty solid all the way through. Um, 
Halbert was in contention at Texas last year. Was it Texas or no Paris? Paris. And then Paris, there was yeah. a red flag, and he got a bad start, and it kind of kind of screwed everything up for him. Yeah. Um, so they they've had their moments. Um, Brian is, I, I mean, obviously the mile master is whatever, but you know everybody calls him, and for good reason. Um, you know, even even on the Cowie last year, I mean they. They didn't. I don't think they did what they expected they were going to do. I think they thought that they were going to be a lot closer. But I mean, there was times where he was somewhat in the hunt. You know what I mean? Like he was he was yeah. going fast. Um, so that Harley goes goes like hell on a straight line. Um, and I've seen Brian win on some bikes that shouldn't have on some miles. So yeah. Um, so I don't know. That's my prediction. I, I think they're going to be better, a little better all around. Um, but I think their best chance for a win is is with Brian on a mile, um, just because of, you know, I mean, Ricky, Ricky is obviously knows what he's doing. Brian knows what he's doing on some miles. Is pretty smart. Um, has some has some tricks up his sleeve. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I think there's going to be some tracks where they're in the hunt, but. Championship yeah. contender this year is is that's a tough one. It's going to be hard to uh, hard to confirm. I just don't think the guys. I mean, I think the most consistent rider is Jared Vanderkoy as far as being well rounded. But yeah, man, I don't know. I mean, like you said, I think Brian could possibly win on a mile. I mean, Brian's a great rider. I have a lot of a lot of respect for um, respect for Brian. I don't think Brian necessarily likes me too much. I don't know why. <laughs> but uh, I got a lot of respect for him as a rider. I think he's great. And, um, yeah, he's one of the best mile riders I've ever seen. So I think Brian will be solid, but it's tough. It's tough, man. I mean, I, I hope they do well. I really do. I've been a Harley fan my whole life. I grew up in the Harley world, and I think it's good for the sport to see Harley back and being competitive. But, yeah, it's, it'll, it'll be interesting. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited for Dalton too. I think Dalton. Yeah. He don't know no better. He's, no. He, he don't know. No, that's what you know, that's I mean, like, Dalton has going for him. He doesn't. He's never really ridden anything good. So yeah, uh, he's <laughs> gonna get on that thing and ride the hell out of it. And I mean, heck, he he could be the guy somewhere. Um, That'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be cool, man. Yeah. There's there's a lot of a lot of unknowns. Um, but yeah, I mean, just to the question, championship contender. That's that's going to be tough, um, but th- those guys are going to be in the hunt. All three of those guys have their have their strong points in their places, and they're all going to be a threat, um, at, you know, at one point or another, or or you know, or all season at, at different times. But right. uh, I just haven't seen that consistency out of the Harley yet. Um, you know, they're they're like I said, they're getting better, but I think they're still going to have some times where they're they're they're, they're still pain. developing. They're still developing. Yep. So, um, you know, but yeah. hey, anything can happen. So, yeah, uh, exactly. Um, two more questions here with track prep already being an issue. Um, not sure. I mean, yeah, it's an issue, but with it, with it being an issue, do you think there is a realistic chance for live TV? Uh, it's something I've thought about actually. I mean, it's, um, we, we can't go live TV if we spend like Meadowlands. We, spent like two hours working on the track, but, um, follow up on the same question was what, what do you feel if AFT ran an amateur race a couple weeks prior 
to prevent unexpected issues with track surface. Um, Jake, what are your thoughts on that, I guess? Well, that, I believe, used to be the protocol. Like, back when the Hot Shoe Series was going, um, which kind of turned into the Steve Nace Series, or Steve Nace kind of took the place of that. Um, That used to be the protocol. Before we would go anywhere for a national, like, they would have to have a Hot Shoe race there. Um, You know, just to kind of see how things went and uh you know get a race day on a track and see how things panned out um before we went there for the real thing so uh i don't think that's a bad idea having you know maybe not an uh, maybe not an, a full amateur race but have uh steve nace or a you know one of the new flat track futures um races or something um at, at a possible future venue but uh as far as live tv man that's i don't know if we're there yet like i feel like if we could get um you know the the seniority on tv is as like nascar or moto gp or something has to where if there is a delay we're going live until it ends, you know, anything else, the rest of the afternoon is getting shut off until this event is over. Um, I feel like live TV could hurt us. Um, it's a great thing. I mean, it's something I think we need, but, uh, I mean, even for our podcast, we don't do a live podcast. We, we record it. We we fuck shit up all the time. And yeah, yeah, we, we tune it up a little and, Give Live doesn't have an there. edit button. Yeah. <laughs> Carter tunes it up and gives you guys a finished product that we're happy with. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that, for instance, on this call, I fucking lost service on my Skype. So we had to, right now I'm on my cell phone instead of our, you know, my fancy ass hundred dollar microphone that I bought. I can't even use it. So, you know, shit happens and we move on. Carter you know, does a really good job at producing our show and does some edit work to give you guys a better, better finished product. I don't think the point is, I don't think, um, I think Jake's trying to make his live TV isn't always the answer. Isn't the best, you know what I mean? Like, so we have the NBC gold package. You guys can watch it on fans choice, but the finished product that we, you know, we, we put out there on NBC sports is different. Like I look forward to seeing the NBC sports stuff because it's a lot different than what the fans choice coverage is and vice versa. So yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I don't know. As far as the amateurs racing our tracks a couple weeks prior, I mean, if the track's going to suck, I don't think we should put some amateurs out there to race it just to break it in for us. I mean, we're yeah. professionals. We, I think it's better if we're out there dealing with a shitty racetrack. Can you imagine a bunch of amateurs that Meadowlands mile last year with how, challenging that track was so um it's a good question but yeah i don't know i don't know if live tv is the answer yeah i i mean i mean live tv is great uh it would i mean supercross is live every every major form of motorsports is live um it's just different than what we're but we're, we're not we're not there yet uh, you know, we need to we need to work on some things and be a little more refined. And I think once we once we well, I mean, Mother Nature always always plays a factor. But 
Um, I think if we had an 18 race schedule that we've been going to for a few years and they have the track prep down and know the dirt, know what we need to do. And we have a little bit of leeway. Um, I think it could work, but if we need to start the main events at 8:35, you know, for every race, it, it's not going to happen. Or, or you know, it, if it does happen, the track's not going to be ready, and riders going to be pissed, or things are going to get pushed back, and you know, it's going to be lap 12 of the main event, and you know, they go to a college basketball game, and people are going to be pissed. So. There's a lot of things I think that need to be worked out before live TV is is gonna work. Yep, I like it. Good question. The last question we have, we'll give Noah Chambers a quick call after this, and we'll wrap this show up. It was a good show so far. The um, final question we have: Do you guys think the FDR Indian 750 will become more expensive than the XR? Harley Davidson 750 to race and repair over the course of the season. Jake, <laughs> uh, I'm, about, I'm about to find out. It's um, already more expensive. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. It's back in the XR days to have a, a good championship caliper XR. The things were priceless, you know. Like just thinking the the amount of time that Kenny Tolbert put into his XRs and all that stuff. But, you know, just say, okay, $35,000, you could have yourself a badass XR. Well, there's a lot of maintenance that comes along with it. Well, an Indian is 50 grand. So is it $15,000 worth of maintenance throughout the year? I I don't know. I mean, I I think the FTR is less, less work. Um, I think money wise, it's pretty equal. Um, you know, the FTRs have, have been pretty reliable, um, you know, as long as you don't try to get too crazy and try some different things. I mean, I know some guys have scattered a couple of them things, trying, trying to make a little more power and do some different things. But I, I don't know. I think if you go by the book and FTR, I mean, that thing, you know, will run most of the season with, with a little freshening up. Um, but the the biggest thing with an XR was, I mean, you needed a full on machine shop just to uh, just to put a foot peg on the thing, you know. Like you weren't buying uh, you weren't buying cams or pistons or parts and just being able to bolt them in. I mean, everything needed to be machined and polished. And uh, I, I mean, but the FTRs, they're still. I mean, if you crash an FTR, like when David Fisher looped over, yeah. His, Indian at, at Rapid City. I forget the number somebody told me, but it was like fifteen grand to fix. I mean, the, yeah. the, the 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 section of the tank, like the tank cover that goes into the tail section. Uh, I think it's over like, three over three grand, like three grand. And, and body. Yeah, it's expensive. Uh, the the tank covers, I think, fifteen hundred bucks. The tail section is like fifteen hundred bucks. So and the clutches on the on the FTR, they 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 need replaced pretty frequently. I remember when I rode the FTR for a bit. Um, it's like every race or every two races, you you should replace the clutch in the FTR. So, it, yeah. it's it's not it's not cheaper. I mean, it's just no. Yeah. I think they're less. Yeah. I think they're less work. Um, like like the said, the FTR you can buy parts and just bolt them in and bolt them on. And XR750, you if you had two CNJ XR750s, um, just even chassis stuff like 
you can't even take one foot peg from one bike and put it on the other. Like it was just the consistency yeah. wasn't there with the FTR. Um, you know, everything fits, you know, you need to put yep. pistons in it. You buy pistons, you put them in, you need rod yeah. bearings, you buy them, you put them in. Where, it's like a kit bike, like a kit bike, like a yeah, spec bike. It's, you know what I mean? It's like more it's like a modern, modern 450. It's not cheap, but it's the, the easy. Like it's kind of. Yeah, it's yeah. You don't it's you user don't have to. Be, yeah, you don't have to be a Kenny Tolbert or uh, you know a Skip Eakin or a Johnny Goat or whatever to to you know to get. To get good power, yeah, you, you know, you need to be smart, but just to keep the things maintained, you can, you know, you can be, uh, you know, a basic, uh, basic mechanic and, and be able to change parts out and, and keep the thing going. So money-wise, I don't think it's much different as work. It's a lot less, I would say, but yeah, I mean, yeah. No, I agree. There's a lot of good questions. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Yeah, just participating on social media with these questions, and we uh, we do our best to answer all of them. Obviously, there's a few that we can't we can't answer them all. We'd have a four hour show, but de- definitely just you know keep asking them, and we appreciate all the good questions and and everything else. So let's real quick before we end this show, let's get a quick update from Noah Chambers. He's been like I said, he's been MIA since we've been home from Florida, just working. And we want to get an update for the fans on, you know, he prepared really hard for Daytona. So Chris Carter, can you call Noah and let's see if he'll answer. You got it. Yo. Noah Chambers. Hello? FT. Professional racer number one sixty six. What are you doing? Going on. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, I am. I was helping my brother. Hold on a second. The door is locked. I can't. Uh, I can't come in. Sorry. Um, I was helping my brother and my little brother do some things around the house. I just got home a little bit ago, so it's just at work. That's how the. How the beer sales? People, people stocking up like toilet paper or what? Uh yeah, dude. Right now it is extremely busy. I mean, people, people are calling us, trying to order full pallets of water, full pallets of Gatorade. I mean, even I mean, we had one guy who was like calling about a full pallet of Bush. It's like, dude, like, shut <laughs> the fuck down, the Bush. You're, you you don't need the bush, but whatever. But yeah, people, most people are like are coming in buying ten cases at a time, stuff like that. So it's really busy. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, dude. it's crazy times we're in right now. I we were just talking. I mean, you you prepared really hard for the the season opener, and now it's on hold. I mean, we were in Florida. We were living together. You were, you were, we were training. Man, we were riding probably three, four days a week, cycling, running. Um, and, you know, it was got one day away from the season opener, and it was like, ah, you're, you're almost there. Ah, we're going to wait ten more weeks you're, or whatever whatever it is. We, we don't know yet. But what, 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 how does that feel for somebody like you? I mean, you, you trained so hard all season for – your debut and and now we're kind of stuck on hold a little bit. 
Um, it was definitely a buzzkill. I mean, especially for it to be one day before, not even one day before, dude, less than 24 hours away. And they're like, yep, not going to happen. So, uh, I mean, for me, it sucks. But uh, at the same time, I mean, I have, I have more time to prepare. Um, I get, I mean, that was the, you know, that's what we said in the beginning when this whole shit show happened. But now, like, nothing's even open. So I don't know if that's the case. But, I mean, it sucks. You know what I mean? It's not like it's the end of the world. At least I don't think it is. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, dude. It, it sucks. It I, might I'm be. It might be. It. I wish we could have got it done. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We were there. It was like they called us in for a meeting. Everybody that was going to be at the race the day after was in that room. There was no fans anyway. It was like, shit, well, if we were going to get the virus, we were going to get it in this room right now at this meeting. We might as well stay and race, mm-hmm. right? But, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess it was uh, out of out of everybody's control, I guess. But Yeah, you know, it's definitely unfortunate, but... Um... Like you said, it's it's out of our control. I mean, what are we gonna do? But it just sucks for. I mean, not not. I'm not the only one it sucks for. It sucks for everyone. You know what I mean? Like like I was talking yeah. to you at the race after it happened. It's like, man, I know you just rushed around all week to try to get stuff done, driving out to wherever, and you know, all over God's creation, just for it. You know, just for it to get canceled. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah I, did, I, I did the math. I think I put. Uh, uh, over 9,000 miles on my van in the last 45 days. Yeah. I'm a lot of miles, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. no, as far as leading up to Daytona, I mean, you were doing a lot of training, a lot of flat track, and a lot of moto. How did you feel? I mean, I thought you looked good. I thought you were ready. I think we were really confident going into it. You did some asphalt training. You really put a lot of work in, man, and it was, it was cool to see. See, it was cool to see. I mean, you were you weren't taking it serious. I mean, you sorry, you were taking it very serious. You weren't kind of taking it like it, it wasn't just you know, oh, I'm just gonna do this like Pastrana did back in the day or or whatever. You you really dedicated a lot of your time to getting ready for this race and for this season. How do you feel right now on the bike, and what are your kind of what are your thoughts moving forward with this whole deal? Um, no, honestly, dude, I feel good. I feel the best I ever have. And uh, I'm still at that stage where every single time I get on a flat track bike, I have new things to work on. I'm, and I feel better and better every time I'm on it. You know what I mean? Which is uh, really encouraging for me. And uh, it's exciting. You know, every time I get on at the end of the day, I'm like, man, that was a badass day. Like I felt even better. And, um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, hopefully this gets rescheduled and all this blows over and we can go racing as soon as possible. And I'll be at, you know, hopefully all the TTs and maybe even, you know, throwing the uh, couple short tracks if I'm, you know, feeling ready for them and stuff like that. Um, and like you said, you know, putting in all the time and work, that's, you know, I mean, that's what I'm going to continue to do here back home. You know, it's, um, I got some pretty good resources around here where I can ride and do some training and, Especially out at the farm track, I think we're getting ready to build a TT track, and that'll be uh, that'll be a huge step um, for, I mean, really all of us to uh, to go out and ride on. So, um, and even just riding with you guys, you know, more and going forward, getting more tips and stuff like that, and just uh, getting a better feel. I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to the whole thing. 
So it's, uh, I don't know, as far as what's next, it's really just as soon as we go racing, I, the next TT, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so what was it like? Uh, I got a couple, I got a couple questions for you. So what was it like putting the leathers on for the first time <laughs> and what was going through your head, right? You're at, uh, <clears throat> at Daytona TT load in getting ready to, you know, for your, for your flat track professional debut and your team owner, main sponsor has a, a, a Corona freak out and needs to go home <laughs> and buy toilet paper <laughs> leaves you stranded. Well, I mean, was... oh, okay. No, I mean, so th- we'll start with the leather. So leathers, um, those things, I don't like them. I don't like how they feel <laughs> compared to, I mean, all I've ever worn is motocross gear. Now I'm putting on these, this fucking Superman suit thing. It's tight. It's hot. It's so hot. I mean, my God. And it's just really, really restrictive. I don't know. It's not, I don't know. I, but, you know, that being said, every time, I think I've worn them two or three times now, and every time I have them on, they they feel better, and I feel more comfortable in it. And when you're, when you're racing and riding with them, you don't notice it as much as you do when you're just like sitting there in a chair or in the pits, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's leathers. What are you going to do? You know, you got, you got to wear them. Everybody's got to wear yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. You hate them until you go down. Yeah. You hate them until yeah, you're, yeah, you're sliding thing. on the Daytona asphalt at 90 mile an hour. Absolutely. You also have, <laughs> I definitely have a little more confidence wearing leathers on any type of any any type of hard surface honestly even hard dirt like i have way more confidence in a set of leathers than i do in a set of my o'neill gear you know what i mean like but um no i mean it's it is what it is i i, I like them for now yeah so so what was and going then, uh, through your head when your crew chief just just left crew chief oh man dude so that was what what, what, what day did they cancel? It was Friday day. They pulled the plug on, on the race. And Friday morning, I remember, so Thursday night, I knew like Corey was like getting pretty worked up and and bugging out about the situation, which I which I can understand. I mean, that's you know, because it, it, it is a pretty serious situation. But I'm like, I what knew else? they were gonna no, cancel just, it. I'm like, he's just, I'm like, he's just nervous. He's just nervous. Whatever. In the morning, he'll be fine. So in the morning, he's like, Nah, dude, I'm gonna stay. It's cool. Whatever. I'm like, all right, good. He's, you know, the situation's calmed down. You know, stuff must be going good. And then I get a call. I got a call from uh, from Bronson. He's like, yo, dude. I was working on a bike. He's like, yo, dude. Like, don't worry, man. Everything's gonna be good. Stan, Stan's got your back, man. He's back. And I, I met Stan one time the day before it passed. And Stan's cool. Stan is a really cool guy. So he's like, yeah, Stan. I, you know, he he can hook you up. He's he's good. And the whole time I'm thinking, me mom thinking Corey's staying. I'm like, like, what is this guy talking about? Like, nah, dude. I'm like, dude, it's all good. Like, we got this shit. And then, uh, like, like thirty thirty minutes later or so, Corey says, you, I don't know what he said. I I can't really remember. But he's like, ah, oh, yeah. And I'm like, wait, are you are you not staying? And he's like, nah, man. Like, I got to roll. So then he, you know, I was like, well, fuck, whatever. You get a photo. Happen, so. You get a photo of Corey with Pedro at south of the border. He's like halfway home already. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. I knew so, they were, I mean, uh, I knew they were gonna cancel. Uh, no, I really didn't. I didn't know they were gonna cancel. But I was like, all right, 
shit. I got to get home. I, I mean, groceries. <laughs> I mean, it's good that they canceled it because ultimately, I mean, if we're being completely honest going into it, I was like, fuck, dude. Because, and I mean, dude, I got so many friends now that race, like, race flashback, and, I, and a lot of them I consider really good friends. But when it comes to, like, race day, even at fucking, like, a local track, dude, these guys, these guys, you, you'd think – you think we're enemies, you know, like they put on like a serious face. I'm like joking around. Like it's just, everybody's different, but like, I don't, I didn't really rely on anybody else to be able to really help me as far as like, say, I don't know, I'm, you know, doing terrible in this corner. If someone I'm racing against, if I have to ask him that question, I'm, you know, there's no, I can't, I can't rely on someone like that. So, um, but no, I mean, I, like I said, I'm not, it's just, it's, it's, like I said, it was a big deal. So, I don't really blame him for leaving. I mean, it sucks for me, but it's uh daddy's got you. It is what it's and, 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 and we got honestly, you. Dude. And honestly, dude, it's 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 all like pointless because nothing happened anyway. We didn't raise. Like it's not like that's all hindsight. You know what I mean? So it doesn't even matter. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny. My mom it's, it's was like, like, she was my mom was texting me like this week. She's like, hey, make sure you do this. You know, don't do that. Just kind of like, you know, going through the motions of a pandemic. I'm like, Mom, I've been an OCD, anxiety-filled person my whole life. I got this. Like, as far <laughs> as this shit goes, I'm a germaphobe to the fullest. Like, as soon as I heard coronavirus, I was like, yo, I'm not into this at all. I'm going home. So, yeah, we we got this figured out. But, no, dude, it's honestly, as far as – yeah, moving forward, I, I think you're ready to go. I'm, I'm excited for you. You put a lot of work in. And like I told you through text message, this just means we have more time to prepare and, and get better. So I think it would be good. I'm excited. And um, who the hell knows when we're going to race again? But, uh, you know, we got more time to prepare. So I think how we utilize our time is, is key moving forward. So speaking of yeah, that. Ultimately, uh, I agree. When when's it going down at the farm? When when's when's opening day at the farm? Dude, that's a damn good question. So, uh, let me give you a little farm update. So yesterday, I stopped out on the way home from work. Me and Corey, um, my other buddy Corey Downton, he uh, he met me out there, and we were like, man, the track, you know, we've been riding the same layout for a couple of years, like since, dude, it's been like five years. The track is going that direction and then honestly there's been some small changes but nothing like crazy so <laughs> i'm like you know what dude let's reverse the track so that is literally we just made the call yesterday got <clears throat> working on it yesterday um i was out there today and then i just looked at because i didn't i didn't work on the track instead of Corey did i stopped by today to um see what he kind of did and uh, i mean it's a lot of work and we're going to try to have it done by the weekend, but it's it's hard to say. You know what I mean? That's If not this weekend, then sometime next week or next weekend for sure it'll be fully done. But, I mean, um, right now we're just kind of switching all the jumps over. And then once that's done, i got to find a spot to put the TT and build the TT. into. I'm probably going to use a part of the motocross track, but um, I just got to figure out where is the best spot. And, um, I mean, dude, it's – it's warming up. Weather's looking pretty good. I mean, besides everyone being sick, 
you know, <laughs> pretty good for the farm. So we had a fan um, question. They they want to know what your uh, Razzles update is. Uh, how did the Razzle stuff go? And <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, dude. I uh, when I first got down to Florida, I think, dude, I think I went to Razzles probably four or five times when I was down there. But it was all, like, in, kind of in the beginning. And then, like, the closer we got to Daytona, like, I kind of stopped going. And the next thing you know, the virus popped up. And I'm like, shit, like, I probably shouldn't be going out. And then, I mean, but, dude, whew, but, but let me tell you this. If the virus was not a factor, that night after we raced Daytona, there was no doubt in my mind I would have been up in that club. <laughs> till the sun rises i mean dude that being said let me, let me let me say this i will say this because i've been thinking about this a lot i was talking um to a fellow racer and like two weeks before three weeks before um daytona like like when we were supposed to race do you remember Corey had like that bad call <laughs> yeah it was like bad dude like I had, like, a really bad, like, cough, runny nose. I didn't have a fever or nothing. Like, I felt good, like, really good. I just had, like, a, a horrendous cough. Like, so, and I went and raced the GNCC with it. And, like, dude, like, mid-race, like, two hours in, I started having, like, this cough attack, like, hacking up a lung. So, I very well could have had that stupid-ass virus. And I, <laughs> if that's the case, then I'm definitely the first dude to race a GNCC three fucking hours with that stupid-ass virus. And I'm going to put that on my resume if, that, if that's the case. <laughs> yeah. But no, nah, that's, that's all, I'm, you know. Yeah, I was like, well, you know, I guess, uh, I guess that could have been it, right? I mean, I, if that's the case, the virus came to me. It was with me for a couple days. And then it just hit a brick wall. It's like, what is this guy doing to me right it's now? It's like, I this ain't got shit on this guy. Yeah, he's out here hammering down through the sand whoops of Florida. That virus is in the woods right now. Just like he's, yeah, it was a abort mission. Abort mission. Abort so I basically mission. spooked it off if that was the case. This ain't it. This ain't it, Chief. We got to move on. Move on to somebody else. Yeah. It's like, this guy's <laughs> way too gnarly for us. We'll bag it out. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I'm gonna blame that on some chick from Coyote Ugly that I was making out with one night. She definitely gave me that cough. Gosh, yeah, we were, dude. It was a, it was a cough. It was a cough fest. Like everywhere we went, I mean, everybody drag, had like, a little cough, man. Golly, I, I'll say it was, it was allergies. I thought, but man, you never that's, know. yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you never know, right? The world we live in right now. We might have had it, yeah, conquered it, and moved on. So maybe uh, the rest mm-hmm. of the world can do that here soon, so we can get racing again. Yeah, dude, because that's that's the main thing. I'm. I don't know. I heard. I. I don't want to keep beating a dead horse, but I about the the racing thing being paused. But did I see that the next three rounds are canceled already, or post? Well, not canceled, but postponed. Or the two rounds that they? Yeah, posted? they're saying Atlanta, Atlanta Char- Charlotte. Right? postponed for sure and i think they stopped ticket sales for texas paris sacramento so texas paris sacramento are still unsure but i think they stopped ticket sales for the time if our season opener is a mile a red mile 
We might have you ready by then. You might be fucking season opener on the mile, baby. <laughs> Come out swinging. I mean, look, everybody's going to be off the couch. Shit, half the field is probably going to be infected with the disease. I'm over here healthy, camping out, waiting for it. You'll <laughs> so, be good. We'll be I mean, over. it is a mile. Yeah, everybody's going to be drinking and playing fucking Fortnite, and you're going to be primed, ready to go for the red mile. We better get that Cali on the dyno. <laughs> That's true. The bone stock unit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nah, dude. I just, we wanted to we wanted to check in with you. I mean, the fans have been asking. I I haven't talked to you much since we've gotten home. I know you've been busy. Back to your real job and and a lot of responsibility, man. And I just wanted to check in with you and and get an update. Yeah, dude, it was good. Uh, good chatting with you guys. I'm glad the uh, that we got the podcast up and ripping again. And um, yeah, dude, I'm looking forward to uh, at least doing what we doing everything we can back home to further prepare myself for whenever we go racing. I mean, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna keep working hard. I'm getting ready to go bicycle here a little bit in the house. I mean, it's a stationary, but hey, it is what it is. <laughs> Putting them on. Man. Nah, we appreciate it, man. We'll, uh, it, man. we'll catch up with you here in the future, dude. Keep at it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for calling me, boys. All right, keep keep, uh, keep us posted on the farm if you need a need a. I got a couple shovels that can come out and shovel some stuff if you need need some help. <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> All right, man. All right, boys. Take it easy. Later, All right. Noah Chambers. That was that was good. I've been worried about Noah, man. I like I said, I haven't talked to him much since we've gotten home, and it's good to hear that he's he's good. He's dialed in. We're ready to go. We're moving on and getting ready for the next one. Yeah, it sounds like if you want to help the cause, uh, call up old Kenneth Beverage. You can get some cases of water and Gatorade and some Bush. If, if a pallet, a pallet, a pallet. A pallet. Jared Rendercoy probably called. For a pallet of bush. I can just see it. <laughs> oh well. Yeah. Episode ten. Episode Good. ten. Yeah. I uh, sounds like we're gonna have a lot of news for episode eleven. Yeah, we'll try to come up with something. I'm sure there'll be something to talk about next week. Uh get a good guest on the line and uh try to keep you guys entertained while there's uh while there's no racing I have going a on. Really really good guest that I'm trying to get a hold of. Um no one flat track related has, has has had this guy on as a guest. I'm 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 really close. I think we got somebody good. Um, I don't want to man. Shit, I shouldn't get too excited about it because he might say no. But I think we got a good guest lined up for the next show. I'm hoping when I, I hear back tomorrow if he's good to go. And yeah, just uh, a little bit a little positive stuff going on. Trying to keep you know, there's a lot of shitty stuff going on right now in the world and no racing and just trying to keep the fans entertained a bit we appreciate you guys tuning in yeah subscribe uh itunes spotify soundcloud appreciate all that mike hacker as a sponsor mike.hacker at presidential.com appreciate mike for supporting the show and sponsoring us want to give a shout out to everybody that listens i had a, a text message from jerry stinchfield he listens to every show and roof systems and what wasn't for that guy we probably wouldn't have half the bikes in the paddock and just uh, everybody else that listens, just a lot of appreciation. And uh, Jake, we just, uh, yeah, a lot of good, a lot of good response from from uh, the previous shows so far. 
that's all we got right now. So <laughs> try to make this as uh, as good as we can until uh, till we get back racing again. Ten four. No, I appreciate you guys. Stay tuned for the next episode. Hopefully in the next week or so. And thanks for tuning in. Maybe next uh, episode we can break some coronavirus rules and and uh, you can come back over and we can have a fucking normal show. <laughs> yeah. Life moves on. We'll keep it rolling, guys. Thanks again for tuning in. We will catch you on the next show. Peace. Later. Dick, are you tipsy or no? Not as tipsy as you. I'm fucking drunk, dude. I don't remember half the shit we talked about. I've only had I've only had three Millers. I've had two Crown and ginger ales and three beers. Oh damn! Sending it. <laughs> and he's and it was probably all on an empty stomach because he's just eating now. Yeah, he's just eating now. Oh, for sure, for sure. I didn't even know if I ate dinner, and I went on. I'm sorry, lunch, and I and I went on a bike ride. So I'm yeah, I'm definitely fucking empty stomach. <laughs> Hold on. Dude, I've been doing nothing. I'm I'm literally going crazy. Like, there's nothing to fucking do right now. I know it's nuts. I rode my bicycle around like Millersville. It's like a college town, and it was like no, it was fucking nobody around. It's like Chernobyl or some shit. It's like fucking crazy. Dude, I'm the I'm so fucking I'm the most tipsy I've been on a show ever. I can barely <laughs> talk. You can use any of this as like the opener. I don't fucking care anymore. I don't fucking I don't care.